The Boiler Breakdown Podcast is sponsored by Shroff Landscaping. Shroff Landscaping has been in business for over 50 years and can handle all of your landscaping needs, including landscape design, maintenance, irrigation, hardscaping, fall cleanup, and they are licensed lawn applicators. Contact Mitch Melton today for all of your landscaping needs at 317-694-9763. Shroff Landscaping, design with you in mind. This is Carson Owers from the Boston Celtics, and you're listening to the Boiler Breakdown Podcast, hosted by Tanner Lee, Evan Webb, and Andrew Eiler. Look, has time to throw. There's an out deep. Way downfield. Grab on He's going to score. He's going to score. Touchdown, Purdue. Seth Morales. Seth Morales. There are no flags. The Boilermakers have taken the lead on a 64-yard strike. Unbelievable. And they're showing blitz again. They back out of the blitz. Toss it downfield. Caught by Stubblefield. Goodbye. Tanner Stubblefield beat Dwight Ellick and waltzes into the end zone. It covers 97 yards. More in motion. They get it to him. More in space. A burst of speed. A place down for Purdue. He's still going. More. Touchback. Touchdown. It is intercepted. Bailey the other way. Marcus Bailey. Tuesday, September 3rd, and you're listening to another episode of the Boiler Breakdown Podcast. Normally, there's three of us on the podcast, myself, Tanner Lee, along with Evan Webb and Andrew Eiler, but Andrew Eiler could not be with us this week, so you're going to have to put up with just Evan and I. Evan, how is it going tonight? Could be better. That's well put. (laughs) It could definitely be better. Um yeah, a day like Friday usually, I mean, it's as it's really bad as it is. It it's a loss just ruins the entire weekend, and really, especially in football, what sucks about it compared to basketball is that you, the entire week to the next game, you're just like, oh well, I hope we don't lose two in a row or three in a row. But here we are. I'm glad you brought that up because I was actually going to bring that up. How I I always forget the difference between a basketball loss and a football loss until it happens. Mm-hmm. And you're right. You have to dwell on it for six days until the next game. Whereas basketball, you have a few days. Oh, we get to play again. Or and it's seven. Cause we play, we're going from Friday to the next Saturday. Yeah, so. That also stunk that it was a Friday game. So it almost ruined my whole college football weekend, but <laughs> I still found myself in front of the TV, watching a good majority of uh, college football games around the country on Saturday. Um, but uh, yeah, I I haven't been looking forward to recording this episode because <laughs> I thought we were over losses like this. Yeah, uh, man, it was. I saw a list of non-power five schools Purdue has lost to since two thousand and nine, and it just makes me shake my head. I mean, on that list, you have Northern Illinois twice. Uh, Remember Toledo, that? No, Toledo. no, no. Didn't Northern Illinois have a kid from CMA? Yes, Colville Military Academy. Yeah. Uh, that was on the team that went to the BCS and right. just killed us in 2013. Yep. Remember that? Um, actually, that was when Danny Elling, I believe, came in and made his debut. I think he replaced Rob Henry yeah, that game. Yeah, because that was Hazel's first uh, year. The other Northern Illinois game was Hope's first year. They came into Ross Aide and, and okay. beat us. Uh, I remember Aaron Valentine had a part return touchdown that game, but he also muffed one or two. Hmm. Um, we've also lost to Toledo. Um Danny Hope's second year. Uh, we lost to we lost also to Bo- Tiller's first year. Yes, correct. Uh, we lost to Bowling Green uh, under Hazel. We lost to Central Michigan under Hazel. 
uh, Eastern Michigan last year, just lots of Mac schools and now Nevada uh, yeah. and Marshall and Marshall um, and technically Cincinnati, but I, I mean, there, come on. I mean, yeah. but uh, yeah, yeah, I was surprised when I read out uh, the stat that Alan Karpik off of golden black shared that as far as his knowledge goes, this was the biggest deficit that Purdue has blown and gone on to lose a game since the 2000 Outback Bowl versus Georgia when Purdue really? was up 25 to 3 and lost in overtime. We had lost 14 point leads and lost the game like last year against Wisconsin, but we had not had a 17 point lead or more and lost the game dating back almost this, two decades. What was the deficit, or not? Yeah, I guess what was the deficit that we gave up against Ohio State in like 2012? I think it was 10 points. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, we just controlled the game mostly. Yeah. Uh, maybe 14 points, maybe 13, 14, but it, was, it wasn't 17. 17. Hmm. Um, man, what a tale of two halves, right? <laughs> I mean, let's yeah. let's get let's jump right into it. Let's just let's just start breaking down the game. Uh, first of all, this I guess it's a preseason game, right? Or uh, <laughs> I wish even though I I never want to see college football have preseason, but yeah, uh, it, it, after it, this day, I'm kind of like, yeah, bring it on. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> At least a close scrimmage of some sort. Good uh, I just Lord. don't ever want to see Purdue schedule a West Coast game ever again. No, ever. I mean, I think, I think, in my opinion, a Big Ten team going to the Pacific time zone above 4,000 feet elevation just shouldn't count regardless of what happens, just because. <laughs> I do think that elevations being a little overblown, though. To be honest, I mean, it is forty five hundred feet I've, highest Purdue has ever played in, but I don't know. I, I definitely going into the game, I didn't really consider that even really a factor. And even after the loss, I didn't really consider. It. But after thinking about, it, I was like, man, after and especially looking at some of the stats and the snap count and realizing, oh crap, you know, all those turnovers we had, the defense is going right back on the field. You know, after you know yeah. one play, you know, by that fourth quarter, you know, at forty five hundred feet. You're like it's like 15 percent less oxygen. You're like that's got to have some sort of toll. I mean, I know these guys are world class athletes, but they're not used to training with that much less oxygen and going that hard that long. I feel like it had some. It's definitely not the reason by any means, but I think it's like as a it was in the Hammer and Rails podcast they were talking about. It wasn't the reason we lost, but it might be reason like five or six on the list. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I I agree with that. Um, and we'll get into a bunch of different reasons uh, breaking mm. down the game. But uh, let, let, let's at least start off with a little positive talk. I feel <laughs> yeah. like not a lot of this podcast is going to be positive. So yeah. who who were some of the players that stood out to you that had a good performance or mainly good performance? I mean, the first half of Sindelar, for sure. I mean, he, oh, was, he was dynamite. He was incredible. Yeah, I mean, he was had a real nice zip on the ball. Um, he always has zip on the ball. Yeah, yeah, it's true. But um, it's did it's, he have a pick in the first half? I can't remember. No, he, okay, no, yeah, so not. we didn't have any turnovers. Uh, I feel like we controlled the game. I mean, that first drive was awesome. I mean, we just marched right down the field, kind of utilized a couple different weapons, uh, gave more the ball the first, like, I feel like three out of five touches where it went to Rondale. Um, utilized Hopkins. Um, yeah, I, mean, I think Sindelar for sure was one. Um, I like the I got, I got some uh, similar stats here for you real quick. Yeah. Some interesting ones. His 423 passing yards is the most ever by a Purdue quarterback in the season opener. Uh, he passed Jim Everett, who had 398 at Pittsburgh in 1985. Purdue also lost that game. And he joins a rare club of Purdue quarterbacks to throw four, four touchdowns in the season opener. 
Hmm. And he's the first in 12 years since Curtis Painter in 2007 versus Toledo. Those other quarterbacks were Lynn Dawson in 1954 versus Missouri, Mike Phipps 1969 versus TCU, Mark Herman 1979 versus Wisconsin, Drew Brees 1999 versus UCF, and Kyle Orton 2004 versus Syracuse. And then, like I said, Curtis Painter 2007 versus Toledo. Hmm. So, yeah. Wow. So, uh, I mean, he, I, I thought he was having one of the better uh, Purdue quarterback games I've ever seen until the fourth quarter. Yeah, I mean, the joke was during the game, at least the first half, was, you know, Sindelar's going to steal the Heisman away from Rondell this year just by the way he was performing in that first half. Um, obviously, again, tail of two halves. But I thought, even though I feel like his stats didn't reflect it, I was really impressed with the play of uh, George Karloftis. Mm-hmm. I feel like he was doing a pretty good job getting to the quarterback. I think he was credited with about a half a sack. I can't remember how many tackles he had, but I feel like he was always getting in there. I think the next step for him is um, – finishing the play. I feel like a couple of times he got back there and then didn't exactly read the quarterback as well. And the quarterback kind of got away from what could have been a sack, but I was pretty impressed with, especially how much he played. I think it was like 77 out of 82 snaps. He, he was out there a lot for a freshman. Yeah. He had uh, five hits and five hurries. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a 66.3 uh, rating for the pro football focus, um, which ranked him uh, fifth overall among Purdue defenders in the highest among uh, pass rushers. So, mm. yeah, I like uh, – he reminds me of young Ryan Kerrigan, big mm-hmm. time. Probably better big than time. young Ryan Kerrigan because I mean, he's way more developed than Kerrigan was coming in. And and I cannot believe he played 77 snaps and freshman Jalen Graham played 82 snaps. Yeah, that's – Incredible. Which we'll get into later in terms of the rotations, but that was for being young – we played a lot. Played quite a few young guys a lot, if not the entire game. Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, some played better, better, better than others. But mm-hmm. uh, any anybody else? I'm trying to think. I feel like Hopkins played well. He could have. I feel like could have done so much more with him. I feel like he was always open whenever he threw to him. And we had one drop, which apparently we learned on Monday that he was battling some sickness, whether that was altitude sickness or what. Um, I was. I like. I mean, I, he's probably going to be one of my favorite players this whole season. Um, but I was, I liked the way we utilized him a little bit. Um, <clears throat> trying to think. And Hopkins uh, was awarded the John Mackey tight end mm-hmm. of the week award for a career high six catches for 84 yards and touchdown. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe he played at all in the fourth quarter, which if you have him in the fourth quarter, yeah. it might make a difference. And we had that throw to Pittman at the end towards yeah. the end, which I mean, who knows if, if that play ends up a little different with, uh, Hopkins in there. Um, mm-hmm. I might be getting someone confused, but I feel like Diedrich Mackey had a pretty, unless I'm just completely ble- blanking on him or blanking on someone else's name. I feel like I heard Mackey's name called a lot. I thought Mackey and uh, Major both played well. Yeah. Both of them. Those are the guys that initially stood. Obviously, Rondale kind of did. Well, I mean, again, for the first half, Rondale did Rondale First half, things. he played really good. Yeah, he's Rondale things. And then second half, I mean, again, was probably the – definitely the quietest half he's played at Purdue um, in his short career. Yeah, he only had uh, three catches for 10 yards. All of those came in the fourth quarter. And then two uh, special teams mistakes, even though the first one really wasn't his fault. It was just more of a fluky play that hit off when the ball hit off uh, Alexander Horvath's helmet. No, but you guys make the argument, too, that he he should have been yelling to get away. Sure. Which, but at the same time, I mean, I also kind of thought, at least when it happened, that I feel like Horvath was pushed in 
it was like I, again, I like it's, that too. I mean, it's you're also based on off of the replay I watched, which is slowed down, which it's so much it's easy to look at the play and dissect it when it's in slow motion, but when it's going that fast, it's hard for the referee to do that. But um, I feel like that's something that you know the, re- the returner should be yelling and communicating the guys just to get away, especially in that position. Or that the second one was just, <laughs> and the, when I when I saw it, it reminded me a lot. Now it was just because again, recency bias, but it reminded me a lot of a, a Carson Edwards type basketball play where he's, you know, drives the lane and he's triple teamed and throws up a, a wild layup or shoots a, a 36 footer and like, what the heck are you doing, man? But then he does something great the next time. So it kind of gets rid of it, but it was felt like it was a very, I had a very similar reaction to Rondale's and I did I feel like I did with Carson for the last three years. That play when he muffed the punt, when he should have let it go, um, that's when I felt like the game turned. That's yeah, when absolutely. I really absolutely. felt like I looked at um a buddy of mine I was watching the game with, and I said we might be in trouble. Yeah, I just had a feeling. I it just ah man, but I mean, anytime you have five turnovers, yeah, and don't uh don't cause any, that's not a recipe of success at all. I mean, no. I don't care who you're playing; you're probably not going to win. Yeah, and I was talking to my dad was after the game. It was a very short conversation because I was just really pissed off. Um, <laughs> he mentioned, he said, and you can you can take someone's side on here. I don't care who. Um, he's like, oh, I think Nevada deserved to win that game. And I was like, I actually don't believe that. I think we deserve to lose that game more than anything because the because we had well, they had to capitalize. Then my th- argument was, well, I mean, in Division One, you give the team five extra possessions that they weren't going to have. They're bound to do something. I think they only had like I think they scored 17 points off five turnovers, which we are lucky it wasn't more. I mean, if that mm-hmm. was a Wisconsin or even like like a Minnesota, we could have easily been blown out the or blown off the field. And the scary thing is they dropped a couple other balls that could yeah. have picked. And yeah. I feel like we only had literally like one or two chances all game. We just yeah. didn't there was find the ourselves one that, was an that was an interception, but we'll talk about that later. Oh yeah. Yeah. Thanks <laughs> for reminding me about that. Yeah, I don't remember ever. I think Marvin Grant had a ball tip that he could like he about had it, but he might have had a dive. Mm-hmm. It was a tough play. Yeah, I don't think we caused any fumbles. Where like even nope. not even like to where they fumbled it and they recovered it. I don't remember causing any fumbles. No, nope. but I I think I kind of take your side on the argument. I I, I see where your dad's coming from though because oh, yeah. I do think Nevada's a better team than people are getting credit for, and I honestly think they will make a bowl game. I was God, really I, so. I was really impressed with the redshirt freshman quarterback Carson Strong for not playing in over two years. I thought he played pretty well. Yeah. Um. But that was also frustrating because I thought we should have a spy on him a lot of times, and we yeah. just didn't. He kept running for uh, first downs. Um, I think some of that's the lack of uh, substituting and the lack of yeah. uh, rotation for our linebackers. But I, I agree. I thought we just – our offense with how many turnovers they had and special teams just kept putting the defense in bad positions. I mean, the defense only gave up 99 yards in the first half. Mm-hmm. Then they gave up 300-plus in the second half. Yeah. So – I definitely think they got worn out. Yeah. As I think even Sindelar said after the game, is you know, defense put us in positions to win that game. We just didn't have their back. And I mean, that's exactly right. I mean, they put them in really tough spots. You know, the defense did their job, got them off the field, got, or got off the field. And then even not even the offense, but like special teams just turns around twice and gives the ball right back and they got to go right back on the field. Um, yeah. I mean, sloppy play. Gotta, you know, I mean, so I think we're pretty fortunate that it went down the wire like it like against a good Big Ten opponent. That's not even a game if you turn it over five times. Pretty much every opponent left on our schedule. Yeah, yeah. Um, and we're gonna have to clean that up quick. 
what what are some things you thought that you did that you saw that you didn't like or that have you concerned going into uh, this week? Running the ball with Elijah Stendhalar. What the heck was that? Well, I think that shows how bad our running offense is. Yeah, I think so too. When That's- you ha- <laughs> when you are relying on a pocket quarterback who has had a history of knee injuries, has a knee brace on, running QB draws, and yeah. according to Sindelar's post game uh, interview, which was one of the weirdest interviews I've ever seen after yes. a uh, losing effort about he was, positive, he, was, yeah. he was mad, but yet he was proud of himself by how he played. I think he just finally was relieved to get back out there and yeah, play football, yeah, but it was still a little weird. I don't think we would have seen Drew Brees or David Blau <laughs> or any other quarterback really in the last no. two decades of Purdue act like that. And I'm a huge Sindelar fan. I think everybody of our podcast is going to learn that as the year goes on, if you don't know that already, but I just thought that was weird. Um, I just think that shows our lack of confidence in the run game. I mean, Xander Horvath had 19 carries for 66 yards his long rush was of uh, 13 yards, which was our only rush of over 10 yards, I believe, for the whole game. Right. Uh, he started off good and then just kind of slowed down as the game went on. And uh, Elijah, like you mentioned, had seven carries for 26 yards. Rondell Moore had two carries for three yards. Really surprised he only had two touches out of the backfield. Yeah. And King Daru had one carry for one yard. So yeah, that, that's nothing uh, that's I thought we were going to get the ball to King, especially when Horvath. I mean. I didn't mind Horvath in the game. I, I kind of realized that he's not going to be the, the back. He's not going to be a, a DJ Knox or or um, Marco Jones is going to bust one for 25, 30 yards. He's just, I just don't think he's that type of back. He's not fast enough. Um, but, I mean, he was he was getting, you know, four yards a carry, which, you know, yeah, it's not, you know, anything that – I mean, it's, it's fine. But, I mean, I feel like we could have gave him the ball a little bit more just to kind of – especially late in the game when we had the lead just to kind of milk it because – I did not understand those Sindelar, which were very you clearly were designed plays of go with the middle, which he's not a mobile quarterback anyways. And they throw in the knee surgeries and the brace. And yeah, that was, I was baffled by that and not happy about it whatsoever. I was baffled by a lot of the coaching calls yeah. and decisions in the second half. I just, I feel like as much as I like Jeff Brom, I think we're two of the bigger Jeff Brom fans yeah. you can be, but it just, at least one time, once or twice a year in games like this, Eastern Michigan last year, mm-hmm. Rutgers the year before, um, even Michigan State a little bit last year, he just goes conservative at times, yeah, like really conservative. And, I don't know if it's just – it seems to be just kind of naming the teams that you listed. It's like it's usually against a team that we should beat. I wonder if it's just like, hey, let's just not blow this. Let's just you know milk it out and then ends up backfiring. But, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm especially – watching sports as long as I have I'm kind of now in points like hey you know do what you do what you do that got you there like I mean if it's basketball and you know up-tempo offense keep it up-tempo if it's football if it's you know ground and pound or you know you know little screens here and there then keep doing it but once you get conservative and the prevent defense I mean the joke is you know all the only thing the prevent defense does is prevent you from winning um, which it kind of like it did for us on Friday but yeah I just feel like it, it definitely kind of got very vanilla um very conservative and just, yeah, I just ended up not getting, not being able to do anything. No, one thing I did like was how Purdue spread out the ball so much. 
Um, mm-hmm. I think eight or nine different guys touched the ball. Mm-hmm. Uh, Rondell Moore had 11 catches, 124 yards, and a touchdown. Bryson Hopkins, was, as we mentioned earlier, had six catches for 84 yards and a touchdown. Ahmad Anderson Jr. had six catches for 60 yards. I feel like we're I, going to him every time in the second I, half at one point. I think Sindelar locked into him quite a yeah. bit. I think there's some chemistry there you could tell. Yeah. David Bell had one catch for 49 yards and a touchdown, that flea flicker in the third quarter. That's yep. when I thought we really had the game under control. Yep. Same here. Um, he was only targeted twice, and the other one being the fourth quarter interception with 38 seconds left. Jackson Anthrop, one catch for 38 yards and a touchdown. Beautifully designed play that three defenders followed Rondell Moore on, gave Jackson that seam to get mm-hmm. open. Jared Sparks, three catches for 26 yards, had a couple drops, including mm-hmm. one I thought was pretty costly late in the game. Xander Horvath, three catches for 21 yards. And Milton Wright, three catches for 21 yards. He also had a fumble. Yeah. I was hoping to see more of Milton and David Bell, but um, I think, yeah, what you were saying, what you mentioned is I think there's a chemistry there with Ahmad and Sindelar that is definitely going to be there. So, I mean, hope to see them a little bit more. I mean, didn't that did, – I don't even think. Let me see here. TJ Sheffield had two snaps the entire game. Uh, yeah, and I only, I only remember seeing him in on one, so I was surprised it was two. <laughs> yeah, and Mershon Rice, I don't think. Had, he did not have any. Yeah. No, which I don't know. I, you know, after the game, I was like, I could see him redshirting. Well, you can play up to four games and still redshirt. Yeah. So I'm not going to count out that we won't see him this year. Um, special teams I was up and down on. I thought uh, J.D. Dellinger actually kicked the ball really well. Yeah. He made his only field goal attempt of 32 yards. He made all his extra points. His kicks were going out of the end zone, which I don't know if, once again, if we can credit the altitude on that or not. Yeah, I feel like there's probably a little bit to that, but I mean, well, I guess we'll find out on Saturday. I thought Brooks Cormier, uh, Cormier, Cormier, I think that's how, how do you pronounce his last name. I wow. thought he punted the ball really well. He's he a freshman, three, right? Yep, three punts for 139 yards, 46.3 yard average, 55 uh, yards on his long. If that was one position I was going into the game. I was like, man, I'm. Especially as the game got closer and closer, I was like, I'm actually very worried about the punting situation because with a you know a brand new long snapper, a brand new punter, you need, I mean that's could be a recipe for disaster in some mm-hmm. scenarios. And knock on wood, we don't have any of those this year. Well, hopefully he's a four year starter like Cody Webster and uh, mm-hmm. Shopper were. Yep. Um, and then did you realize our pooch punter it was as actually a quarterback? Yep, I found that out. I think they mentioned it during the game, or I saw it on Twitter or something like that. But I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah, he had a walk on too. Danny uh, Carolo, Carolo, sure. How he pronounces his last name? <laughs> uh, two punts for seventy-five yards, thirty-seven point five. There's a lot average. of quarterbacks punting the ball in that game. More probably more than I've ever. Oh seen yeah, I've, I've, I, yep, I've never seen <laughs> a, a quarterback punt so much as, as uh, Carson Strong did. Yeah. Um, and then we talked about the return game earlier. Um, it just wasn't good. Was sloppy. <laughs> I mean, I mean, our special teams are so sloppy that we got a penalty for Marvin Grant and Rondell Moore being on the field at the same time wearing the same number. Yeah, after listening to a couple of interviews, it sounds like that was just a coaching error. Yeah. Where I guess Grant yeah. is only in on one specific package, and they put him out there for act like they were going to actually go for it, and then when they decided to throw Rondell out there to return it and forgot that they have another number four out there. But yeah, that's just – just dumb. Oh, it's just dumb, stupid. Dumb. I mean, yeah. something that should never happen, though. No, it's yeah, it's there's it a lot of just dumb things that we did that was, was really frustrating just yep. from a fan standpoint. What 
is your th- opinion on Rondell being back for kick returns, punt returns going forward? <laughs> I expressed this last podcast. I guess you kind of did, didn't you? I'm not a fan of it at all. <laughs> I guess I'm okay with it on – I guess I'm more okay with it on kick returns because I feel like there's less chance for a screw-up on his part. Yes, I agree there. Now what worries me again, as I mentioned, is some – second, third string safety, just some gunner just coming down and just absolutely taking his head off, mm-hmm. which I feel like Nevada was doing the first like eight times. It yeah. Hit. Like they were going at him, which I mean, I, I mean, I get it. You know, they're all they've heard all off season is Rondon Moore's coming to town, all American and I'm sure they wanted to shut him up and show him that they're not going to, he's not going to walk all over him, which he did the first half, but they took him away in the second half. Um, you know, he was just gassed, you know, he did miss a lot of the camp. So that could have been a factor. At first but, I wanted to text equipment manager, Brad Andrews and tell him to get that, uh, get his trap <laughs> buckled yeah, up, no get kidding. that yeah. helmet tight, Brad. But, or something to the helmet. I'm, Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm sure it was tight. It just, yeah, I don't know. He's getting hit hard. Um, I am a big fan of throwing Jackson back there on punt returns. Like he did. Yes. Last year. Just thank you. It being no shame in a fair catch and no, on punts. I mean, not at all. You couldn't pay me enough money in the world to be a punt returner oh. in football. <laughs> um, I mean, if you did, I would just run away from it every single time. So, but I, I mean, Jackson did fine last year. I mean, yeah, you'd like to have the big play, and I feel like with the youth that we have, and you know, the having Rondale back there has a potential for a big play. But as we kind of saw, I feel like the risk outweighs the reward, at least on punts. So I'm um all about throwing Jackson back there and you know I mean I, I get I'm wondering if because there was a couple possessions the first there's one punt where he let it go and it bounced like inside the five and I'm wondering if maybe a coach told him don't do that again and like pick it up and that's when he tried to pick it up the second time and that's what caused him but I feel like at that time he kind of thought about it too long I feel like he would have went a second or a split second earlier he might not have fumbled it but. I just I said get him out of there. Yeah, he said uh, in an interview yesterday if we played tomorrow, which we don't, uh, that he would do that again. Yeah. So it's interesting. Yeah. But but next year he might not have to uh, worry about returning it too much next year as uh, Marcellus Moore yeah. will have that speedster. So the other more he, he he might more and more connection. So that's a very real. Uh, Real good chance we see those two beat returns next yeah. year, but that's a whole year away. So yeah. um, let's look at the defensive stats a little bit. Uh, Marcus Bailey, surprise, surprise, not really. Uh, he was our leading tackler with seven tackles. Uh, Derek Barnes had six tackles and a half a sack. Ben Holt had five tackles. Uh, Mackey, uh, Diedrich Mackey had five tackles. Kenneth Major, five tackles. Jalen Graham, three tackles. George Karloff has two tackles and a half a sack. Avon Mosley, two tackles. Simeon Smiley, one tackle. Anthony Watts, one tackle. Kai Higgins, one tackle. Uh, Branson Dean, one tackle. And Lawrence Johnson, one tackle. But that was all your uh, defensive stats right there. Lawrence only had one tackle. I feel like I saw him there a lot. Hmm. I feel like part of the game, I feel feel like the first, like, maybe in the first quarter, I kind of forgot Marcus Bivis on the team. I feel like I didn't see him at all. I know. I feel like I always saw Ben Holt. Well, uh, Marcus Bailey, I believe, played every single defensive snap. He did. Yeah, it was uh, – he paid – let me see here. I've got it up here. He played 82. Jalen Graham played 82. Derek Barnes played 82. Diedrich Mackey played 82. Simeon Smiley played 81. 
Ben Holt played 78. Karloff has played 77. Kenneth Major played 76. Devon Mosley, 71. Anthony Watts, 65. And it drops down. Branson Dean, 47. Lawrence Johnson, 27. Kai Higgins, 13. Marvin Grant, 12. Brennan Thieneman, 11. Uh, Corey Trice, 6. Which most of those came after, was it uh, Major who got hurt? Yeah, but I think he's fine. I haven't read yeah, anything else good. about his um, injury, at least. So, yeah. Giovanni Revere, five. Cornell Jones, four, which that really surprised me. Yeah. So, Jalen Alexander, one. Because that's the thing. I guess we can maybe just get into it. I feel like all offseason, all we heard was the depth that we had on defense, and nope. we didn't see it at all. Nope. Especially Cornell and Alexander. I couldn't yeah. believe when I read they only played five snaps, yeah. except like you just mentioned, every time it seemed like Holton Bailey were out there every single time. Right. Um, that I don't know. That was just kind of head scratching to me. I mean, where you know we heard uh, Elijah Paul's name a bunch in the off season. Right, he wasn't he out there at all. Back to linebacker, uh, Cameron Allen. Um, I think I think it was a defensive line coach said that he'd feel comfortable throwing twelve guys, twelve different guys out there, and that he didn't do that. I think we threw like four or five out there the entire yeah. time. I, I thought we might see like this Stephen Fasho, Fasho, mm-hmm. whatever his last name is, a freshman. I mean, um, and I don't know who all made the trip. Because That's you can good, only yeah. take a certain a limit on road games. Mm-hmm. I don't know. But, yeah, I was really surprised by that. And, of course, we didn't have Lorenzo Neal. We could have used him. Could We're not going to have him lot. this week, it looks like. We could really use him this week against uh, uh, Vaughn and uh, Vanderbilt's speedy run game there. But uh, it looks like we're not going to have him until the TCU game at the earliest. Um, I, I don't like uh, – I'm not just saying this because of the – resolve the game. I don't like Nick Holt being up in the box. I mm-hmm. like him being on the sidelines, uh, presence on the sidelines and getting to somebody's face. Um, but, and, and I kind of wondered this after hearing Brahms post game, he was really hard on the defense saying the defense didn't get enough pressure. Um, pretty much just said the defense didn't play well, hasn't played well in a while. You know, he kind of really took some digs. I thought at Holt, I thought Brahm mm-hmm. did. And, um, According to our friends, yes, I'm calling them friends, even though we're probably not their friends. But according to uh, Boyle Sports today, they're kind of beat out. Did beat out? Beat out? Did some? Uh, did a little quick cast today, or a little seven, seven minutes? Seven hmm. minutes? Uh, it's YouTube. You on YouTube? He did a oh, video with some thoughts. Hmm. And he said that uh, he has a source that said that Holt and uh, Brom got into it not too long ago at practice. There was something that happened where Brom was going over and was going to speak to one of Holt's defenders. Holt pretty much told Brom to leave him alone. He didn't want him to say anything to him right there. And Brom said, uh, remember, this is my team. I'm in charge or something to that degree. So there could be a little beef going on right now between head coach and defensive coordinator in a power situation, which you don't want to see because that could impact the whole season. Yes. Could impact the locker room. And a lot of stuff going forward. But, yeah, and I wonder. I don't know the answer to this, but who's in charge of making substitutions, like in game? Like, is that the defensive coordinator? Is that the head coach? I, I believe it's the coordinators. Okay, because maybe that had something. But I'm to not. Do I'm not. I think it's a team effort. But I think it's yeah. Because maybe that had some. Maybe there just wasn't communication on when to switch guys. I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, I, Bailey. I think it was Marcus Bailey said it really good after the game. He goes, you know, with because I, I think it was obviously that was a question that was asked. Was you know was that a factor of him not being on the sideline and basically perfectly goes, you know, yeah, we, we like his intensity, but, it, or I'm paraphrasing, but you know, we have to create our own energy out there. I mean, they can't rely on the coach to amp them up or 
do whatever it is to get their energy up and they've got to take that on themselves. But I definitely like Holt Prowl on the sideline. Yeah. Yeah. Which I mean, which they're going to downplay that get, no matter what. But. I get Brom's point. I mean, you, you see it all the time of the coordinators are usually up in the box. They have the bird's eye view and can see everything, but I feel like it holds a special breed. Yeah. Yeah. I, and, and, you know, I took a lot away from Brahms' little six-minute interview after the game. I could just see how mad he was. Oh, I, I mean, I, mean I thought he was going oh, like, to <laughs> I mean, he's he talking about Elijah. He needs to step out of the pocket better. He yeah. Needs, he needs to hang in there take contact. I'm like, I'm tired. <laughs> I'm kind of just watching this guy. I, I would have loved to be a fly on the wall in that locker room because I can't imagine what was said. Yeah. Um, oh, my if, uh, man, just I don't know. I'm just I was so bummed out, but yet not shocked because we've seen it before. Oh, yeah. But I want to get I, I thought we were it, to the yeah. point, and I can't wait till we get to the point where we don't have to worry about losing games like this anymore. Yeah, could be Tennessee, uh, could be worse. <laughs> uh, and, and, and Missouri did the same thing we did, they went out to Wyoming and got up 14 points, lost the game. So wow. they lost by five, I believe, at Wyoming. So do not travel to these Mountain West teams. Don't go play them there. So uh, any Wait. more thoughts on the uh, debacle in the desert, as Purdue fans are already calling it? Uh, Morgan Burke gave one last gift to the athletic department because this was his game that he scheduled. Which Thanks, Morg. I, I guess uh, I think I read on the message boards on Golden Black that someone ran into him out there. And they kind of asked him why he scheduled it. And he said he did it for the West Coast alumni, which I get. I mean, Purdue. Schedule maybe. USC. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, if you're going to go out West, go somewhere where it's, you know, it's, it's a Oregon. good team. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I'm done with these lower level away games because there's really nothing. It's a lose-lose situation. If you mm-hmm. win, congrats, you, you won. You should have won. Um, but if you lose, it's like, wow, okay, let's reevaluate but yeah i feel like if you're going to do which i mean i know we're not up to the level of some of those teams but i'd rather i mean like what northwestern did go out to stanford i mean yeah they they lost but it's you're playing a heck of a team yep and i feel like you learn a lot doing playing those teams yeah and i don't think we have any of these teams scheduled except Mm -hmm. we do go at uconn in 2021 and by that time they might be an fcs team instead of an (laughs) fbs team honest honestly i don't i don't know what's going to happen there but besides that all of our other planned road trips are two power five schools so we do host Memphis next year, but that's not a home and home. And we host Air Force, another Midwest or Mountain West team, but that's not a home and home. That's just a one-off with both those teams. And that's how it should, I feel like it should be, which Brian mm-hmm. Hubert wrote, kind of wrote a good thing about that. I'm just stop it with this type of stuff. Yeah. So, but uh, let's move on and talk about uh, the home opener. Um, will you be in attendance? Yes, sir. All right, you, me, and 57,000 of our closest Purdue friends. Do you think attendance will be affected from this game? Very little, yeah. if at all. Yeah. I still think 50,000 plus. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't think I'm it's going to be quite a sellout, but it's supposed to be nice weather. Yeah, It's a noon game. Um, it's the Hammer Down Cancer game. Tyler Trent uh, game. Tyler Trent game. They're uh, unveiling the Tyler Trent, the T2 uh, student gate that's taking place of the, uh, I think, gate E it was. Yep. Um, and then this would have been Tyler's 21st birthday. That's, that's... So put all this together on top of the loss at Nevada. And if you don't think Purdue's going to come fired up and ready to play, you got something uh, 
uh, something wrong with you, I guess. Yeah. I kind of hope they don't play a video of Tyler Trent before the game because I'm just gonna ball my eyes out if I do. I don't want to. <laughs> yeah, I, I bet they. I bet they I do. Really but do. I bet this is the last time we see that this yeah. year. Unless maybe. maybe Maybe I don't know. Basketball. We do we do that for basketball too. They so they did a few things in basketball, yeah. but um, I mean, I'm all for seeing videos about them oh, every game. Yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, I'm not trying to say that badly. I'm just I'm just saying like. Yeah, I don't um, want to. Try, I wasn't trying to say that badly. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, <laughs> um, but cry. um, but I'm always looking forward to getting back to one of my happy places, mm-hmm. Rossi Stadium, uh, along with Mackey Arena and uh, Bronco Stadium at Mile High. What a <laughs> stupid name. There's a few of my uh happy places in this world. So I'm yeah, there's something pretty cool about being away from those places for, you know, an, an off season and coming back that first time and walking from the mm-hmm. concourse and seeing the field, seeing the court, whatever it may be for the first time in. No doubt. It, yeah. It's definitely something that I never get tired of. No doubt. Um, even the drive down is nice. Yep. Um, you know, you start driving down from September and go all the way through late February, early March, and then you don't do it again really until. Yeah. <laughs> football season again so right. no i'm excited uh back-to-back years that purdue has hosted an sec team third year in a row they've played one because they had the home and home with missouri mm-hmm. um i should have looked this up but beside before missouri i don't know the last time purdue hosted an sec team out it hasn't been much because i think it was alan carpick so this is we're going after our first sec win in ross aid an sec team um, i don't think we've played too many of them and when we did, I mean, the, the teams that are made up the SEC now, when we beat them, they weren't part of the SEC at the time. Um, Makes sense. So, so if you go back to the 60s and 70s, I think some, you had some of those teams that now are in the – like Texas A&M, um, yeah. a few others that we played that weren't in the SEC at the time. So, uh, Vanderbilt, it's hard to judge them off their week one game. They lost 30-6 to at home against number three, Georgia. And the crowd was literally 75% Georgia. Yeah. She walked into that game. It was just Georgia everywhere. Yeah. Um, but uh, interesting quarterback situation that uh, Vanderbilt's got going on. Uh, they had a transfer, grad transfer from Ball State, uh, Riley Neal. He is their quarterback. He didn't complete a pass of 10 or more yards against Georgia. He was 0 for 4 on those attempts. So he did a lot of check down, a lot of, a lot of screens, mm-hmm. things like that. Um, there's also another quarterback. I don't I think he got into the game late. I'm not finding his uh, name, but he was their quarterback last year. Um, but, of course, they're led by Keyshawn Vaughn, running back who Purdue fans who follow recruiting should be familiar with, a guy Purdue darn near got a handful of years ago before Illinois got him in a package deal with one of his buddies. Um, and then he had his career best game at Illinois against Purdue back in uh, 2015 in Ross State Stadium. Embarrassing game. That was awful. <laughs> we were there. Yeah, and Keyshawn Vaughn had uh, 243 yards in the Texas Bowl against Baylor last year and two scores. And uh, he had oh uh, over 1,200, actually uh, 1,244 yards and 12 scores last year during the season. So. Hmm. Um, I'm not sure what kind of defense Vanderbilt plays. I don't think it's a three-three-five. I'm guessing it's just a four-three or three-four. Yeah, I feel it's gonna be a pretty um, standard. But even though they're yeah. a middle of the pack, very average um, SEC team, uh, they're gonna have speed. 
Yeah, and they're gonna have size. I feel like they've got some pretty big offensive linemen. They have a guy that's like six six, three hundred and seventy pounds, <laughs> left tackle, and he played. He, he graded out really well against uh, Georgia. I believe his name. Oh, I just had his name. Cole Clements. Oh, okay, he's three hundred twenty pounds, six six, three hundred twenty pounds. Cole Clements. Good night. Yep. So uh, Purdue's gonna have to uh, come up with them some sneaky packages to get it some pressure on the quarterback for sure. I know, I know Brom talked about that. They need to do a better job of uh, helping Karloff just get in there with some different. Yeah. I feel like last game, I feel like we didn't see any, and I just could be forgetting, but I feel like it was always just like a, a pretty standard three man rush. It was just the three down linemen and all the linebackers were back in coverage. And I feel like it's just like we weren't getting created with our pass rush. Like we have in the past. Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, the whole second half just was, not creative from any no. standpoint. I didn't feel like we blitzed much. Maybe we did. Um, I'm not the. I'm not going to sit here and act like I'm the biggest X's and O's football genius ever. No. Yeah. I actually think the X's and O's to talk about is kind of boring. But uh, <laughs> um, no, I'm, I'm just. I'm ready. I think Purdue's uh, what eight and a half point favorite. Something like that, which blew me away. I did not expect it that. Might be eight. I know it felt. I know it opened at like nine and a half. So last time I checked, it was like eight. Because I feel like I think I texted you and Andrew that saying that it was eight. Yeah, I think out. I think you're right. It's eight. Um, Check I mean, of course, line. of course, Purdue's gonna have to take care of the ball and commit <laughs> and commit turnovers to win this game. Right. Um, no matter. Forced turnovers. Forced turnovers. Forced turnovers. Forced turnovers. <laughs> See, uh, my head's already just yeah. Forced turnovers. Um, it's now at seven on the ESPN app. So. It's eight on the score app, so I'm still okay. going with eight. So, um, well, before we get into picking some Big Ten games, and including the Purdue game, uh, who are some of your boys you're looking out for this weekend? Ooh, give me, give me one on offense, one on defense. One on offense, one on defense. On offense, I'm gonna go Bryson Hopkins. I like it. I feel like, yeah, he. Uh, I feel like just with the attention that Rondale Moore gets and just the outside guys, I feel like there's going to be a lot of times where he is going to be pretty open. Um, he's got good hands, good, you know, big body, good, decent speed for a tight end. I feel like, I think we just need to go to him a lot more than we have. Um, and then on defense, who let's see here. I'm going to go Jalen Graham. I feel, like he played, I feel like he played that much. If he, you know, he's got his feet wet finally in a Division One football game. I think he, I think everyone gets a little amped up at home. I think he makes some some good plays. I will go with my boy Elijah Sinalar. <laughs> I think he does not have a single turnover this game, and he tosses at least three TDs. So uh, okay. And then I almost wanted Jared Sparks having a bounce back game. But I feel like I've been waiting for Jared Sparks to have a bounce back game for yeah, 13 games. Yeah. So uh, on defense, you know, I'm going to go Kenneth Major. I thought he played oh, good the other yep. night. Uh, like you mentioned, he had a pick that wasn't a pick. Oh, uh, you're talking about that. Mm. Um, it, it was not an incomplete pass, it was a touchdown no. or a pick. And the it was Brian. Never hit the ground. Was Brian was. I don't know how you can call a passing complete when it never hit the ground. And both and both people who t- who had who had the ball were in bounds. Like it's not like they like grabbed it and went out of bounds. It was both people had. If either one of them had possession, they were in bounds. Either one, and it, it should have yeah. been called one or the other on the field. 
And the yes. reason they end up held as incomplete is because that's what they called on the field. Right. Um, from my angle, I thought it was an interception. I thought I thought uh, the Nevada guy came down with it with one foot and then juggled the ball so he didn't mm-hmm. have clear possession. It popped up, and Kenneth Major got control with a knee down inbounds. That's how I put mm-hmm. that up. But I, I think he uh, repeats uh, – has a good repeat performance this week, and he is my boy on defense. So. I like it. Uh, let's go around the Big Ten, shall we, and do some picks, which I think we only missed the uh, Purdue game last week. At least I picked Stanford to be Northwestern. I don't know if you and Andrew did. I feel like I probably did too. I have no idea. Uh, number 21, Syracuse, is a one-and-a-half underdog at College Park against Maryland. So I listened to the Tan J-Man show this morning, so I'm trying to remember, <laughs> trying to remember what you guys were picking. Um, I don't know anything about Maryland. I feel like I don't believe Anthony in Maryland. McFarland is a great running back. Okay. Um, they got a Justin Jackson, I believe that's his name. He's a transfer quarterback from Virginia Tech. That's all I can tell you about him. Brand new coach. Yeah. I don't like universities. So I'm going to go with Syracuse. I think Syracuse gets it done. I mean, Dino Babers is a really good coach. They're ranked 21st for a reason. I think it'll be a good game, but Syracuse gets it done. Army, who is just outside the top 25 looking in, at number seven, Michigan. Michigan's a 23-point favorite. Yeah, I think Michigan rolls in that one. Yeah. Uh, Michigan looked a little sloppy against Mid-Tennessee at times, but I think Michigan takes this one pretty easily. Cincinnati Bearcats <laughs> at the Ohio State University. Ohio State's 16-and-a-half-point favorite. Our old buddy uh, Marcus Freeman's the defense coordinator yep. at Cincinnati. Fickles, uh, going against yeah. his alma mater. Yeah, is it Luke Fickles? Uh, yep, is the head, head coach. Yep. Used to play coach on Ohio State. Some, some good storylines there. I like it. I think you know, you know they got some players that wish they would have got offered by Ohio State. Oh, absolutely. Um, I think it's a game for maybe a quarter. Then Ohio State just runs away with it. Justin Fields looked pretty impressive last week yeah. in his Buckeye debut against Florida Atlantic. Uh, Ohio State rolls. The first Big Ten game of the season sees Rutgers at Iowa. There's no line yet on this game. <laughs> Iowa. Easy. Yeah. Is that, so it's at Iowa? Yeah. Oh, yeah. At Kinnick, yeah. At least by four touchdowns. <laughs> Buckers was down 21-7 to at one time versus UMass, but then they end up blowing them out. So. Wasn't that like the anniversary, like the first football game I ever played or something like that? Was that that game? I saw they uh, were wearing some throwbacks, or they, or no, they have a throwback uniform. And they are ugly. Yeah, they're terrible. They're bad. But uh, I mean, I get it's throwing back to when you basically had solid colors, but good lord, the long sleeves is stupid. It's real bad. Uh, The Central Michigan Chippewas, coached by uh, Jim McElwain, uh, used to be Florida's coach. And I think uh, grad assistant or at least assistant coach Austin Appleby is on that staff. That's right. I forgot. Good for uh, him. It's awesome. Yeah. Uh, they, they are traveling to number 17, Wisconsin, at Camp Randall. Wisconsin's a 35-point favorite. Jonathan Taylor rushes for four touchdowns. You know, I thought they were going to have a tough time down at USF, and they blamed them <laughs> zero. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It was Wisconsin rolls. Yeah. Here's a very interesting matchup. Number 25, Nebraska Cornhuskers, who looked a little sloppy at times against South Alabama. 
They traveled to Boulder, Colorado to face their old Big 12 rival, Colorado Buffaloes. Colorado beat them in Lincoln last year, but Nebraska is a four-and-a-half-point favorite on the road. Just for my disdain for the Nebraska hype train, I'm going with Colorado. I'm going with the Buffs. They got them last year. I thought <laughs> yeah. Colorado looked good against Colorado State this past week. They got a heck of a wide receiver who I'm not going to try to pronounce his last name off the top of my head. Uh, I like the Buffs. Illinois fighting the Illini are 20-and-a-half-point favorites on the road at UConn. <laughs> yeah, like uh, the Illini in that one. I don't know if I, I, don't know if I cover I, yeah. I don't know. I mean, they, I feel they, 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 they got a new quarterback, right? Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Peters uh, transferred from right. Michigan. He played well in the forty-two to three win over Akron. Yeah. Maybe. Is it what's the spread? Twenty and a half. I was about to say they went by twenty-one, but then that defeats what I just said. <laughs> um, went by seventeen. I think Illinois rolls. Then uh, they're uh, one third of the way from a bowl, and they have Eastern Michigan next week. So. Um, bad week for UConn fans. Not only will they lose this game, they lost in the final four of the yeah, uh, yeah, baby. Mark Madness. <laughs> and they Twitter were mad. Bowl. And now, uh, Purdue fans, if you're listening to this, go vote. Your Boilermakers are playing for the national championship against Kentucky. Last time I looked, Kentucky had a 70% to 30% lead. Yeah, that Kentucky team is stupid. Kentucky is pretty good, too. It's pretty good. The only, only team with five All-Americans I would love to see. Stupid, you're right. Yeah, I would love to see a game. Like, I was just like seeing this was really like, man, I wish we could see a game like this of all those guys in their prime because it would be some really cool matchups. Yes. So, uh, let's see here. The next matchup we got the Indiana Hoosiers host the powerhouse of Eastern Illinois <laughs> and uh, Tony Romo and uh, Jimmy Gigi. Garoppolo and even Sean Payton. None of those guys are coming to play quarterback for Eastern Illinois. No. Yeah, Hoosiers get it done easily at home. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and they Although play. I, I, uh, I watched the second half of that. They're giving me it's Ball State, and I don't think about Penix. I don't know. I don't you like know, his see. motion. His throwing motion no, is ugly. Yeah, he's athletic, but yeah. uh, they 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 do host Ohio State next week. Indiana does. And then the week after that, they play, they play UConn. Hmm. Interesting. Jeez. They got those. They got those three to four wins in the in the pre Big Ten season because they have a a mother of a Big Ten schedule. Yeah, they do. You got Michigan State Spartans ranked nineteenth, hosting a directional school in Western Michigan. Michigan State's a. Don't they always play like every directional Michigan school? It every seems year? like they play the same darn non conference schedule yeah. every year. I don't know nothing about Michigan State, but I feel like they roll in that one too. Yeah, I do too. They always seem to play some of these non conference games pretty close. Yeah, but I feel like they roll. Western Michigan hasn't been the same since PJ Fleck left, and their head coach was the quarterback coach in the last year of the Dale Hazel Hera. Daryl Hazel. Can't even say the guy's name right. But Daryl Hazel era at Purdue, uh, the quarterback huh. coach. Um, his name just gave me off the top of my head. He yeah. is now Western Michigan's head coach. Hmm. Um, oh, I, I like think I remember. Big in that game. Yeah, they're big. I think I remember that happening when he got promoted. Uh, Penn State is 29 and a half point favorites at home against Buffalo. Khalil Mack's not coming to suit up for Buffalo anytime soon. He's got a date with Aaron Rodgers on Thursday night. You hope. <laughs> I hope. Yeah. I hope. Um, um, Penn State by infinity. 
know. Yeah. They, <laughs> I mean, they killed Idaho 79 to 7. Yeah. Uh, I think they killed Buffalo here again before they play Pittsburgh, I believe, next week. And then our last Big Ten matchup before we predict the Purdue game. It's got P.J. Fleck and his Golden Gophers rowing the boat out to Fresno, California to take on the Fresno State Bulldogs, who lost an eight-point game at USC. Minnesota is a three-point favorite. Again, my picks have nothing to do with the actual game. It's just more of just my hatred for certain individuals, but I'm picking Fresno State. I hate that we're agreed on everything, but I agree. <laughs> I'm going with the Bulldogs because I can't stand P.J. Fleck. And- no. In my preseason prediction of Minnesota, this is one of the games I had them losing because, once again, it's hard for a Midwest school to go out to the Pacific time zone. This is a 10.30 Eastern time game. That's Ooh, tough. Okay. That is tough to get used to that time zone. Uh, Fresno State's home opener. Place will be rocking. They got a decent uh, football tradition with the uh, Carboys, both playing there at quarterback over the years, David oh, okay. Carr and Derek yeah. Carr. So, um, I did not know that. Yep. So, uh, But I, I like Fresno State. And finally, our Boilermakers hosting the, the – I about said Virginia. Hosting the <laughs> Vanderbilt – That's later Commodores. basketball season. Yes, yes. I'm already getting <laughs> The Vanderbilt Commodores. Does the results uh, shape out the same as when Purdue hosted them a couple of years ago in basketball back here in? I'm trying to remember that game. I remember we lost down Vince, there. Vince slammed on a guy. That's was, right. Vince, oh. Vince Isaac and PJ's uh, in Dakota's freshman year. Yeah. So we just came back from Maui. That's right. Um, I think we get it done. I, I kind of said earlier, there's a lot going into this game in terms of the, you know, especially with Tyler Trent and what he meant to the football team. Um, I think Brahms going to be reminding them a lot about that. At least I would, I would think maybe not. I mean, remind them all the time, but I think that's definitely be a message to the team. Um, home opener. Want to get the bad taste of their mouth from the Nevada game. They want to prove that they are a good football team. I think we get it done. I think we do cover. Um, I'm going to say 34-24. That was my exact prediction. <laughs> I would go with 34-24. I don't like this. But, uh, you didn't say that on, the, on your podcast the other day, did you? Because I, I don't remember you ever giving a score. I don't think I gave one. an actual yeah. score prediction. But uh, honestly, I text 34-24 to somebody today. Or somewhere I said that, but um, yeah, I, uh, you know, I'm ready to see a good performance out of the Boilermakers. Going back to mm-hmm. last year, four of the last five performances we've seen out of this team just have been a letdown. No, I kind of forgot about that. I mean, last game we won was a bucket game. I know, and we didn't. I mean, we played good enough to win, but we didn't. Yeah, play it wasn't good. I mean, that Minnesota game was a disaster. Wisconsin was a triple overtime choke job. God, the bucket game we won. Auburn, we might as well not even shown up. And then, yeah, I don't know if it did show up. I don't, we went there, but I don't know if the team ever really showed up. Then the debacle the in the desert, as we're going to call it, which yeah. was the largest deficit Purdue lost during a game, and it lost since the Michigan State game in 2011, 2010. Miss, uh, Purdue was up uh, 15. At Michigan State, when Michigan State was ranked seventh and lost that game, but hmm. but then, like I mentioned earlier, going back clear to the Outback Bowl in two thousand, Purdue was up twenty five three, I believe, and lost overtime to Georgia. But I think Purdue gets it done. I'm sticking with the prediction you said thirty four twenty four. Um, 
hopefully the first of uh, many wins coming yes. this year. Um, and do you have any message to any all of Boilermaker Nation out there before we close this up? I, I hate what just came to my mind because I'm, I'm quoting a freaking Packers player, but my quote was relax. Um, I mean, I was, I'll be the first, I was, oh, I was so mad after that game. I was trying to not be loud. Um, well, I, loved, I was like, just amazed that a freshman walk on kicker hit the back of a net on a 56 yard field goal. Yeah, I mean, kudos to him, and he's not a walk on nope. anymore. Um, and I hated the whole the debate of should you call a timeout, should you not have if you want to, it's like that is the one of like on in terms of decisions made in that game, that is probably the one of the lowest ones besides what shirt to wear for the game, which well, I'm not a, I, I definitely would have called timeout and iced him like he did. Absolutely, yeah. Penalty like he did. I didn't even think about that. I mean that was um he doesn't take the penalty there. I think Nevada goes for two and I don't yeah. know stop him. Right, yeah. I mean, I, I was—I think someone on Twitter says, "Oh, Braun probably did that to negate the two-point conversion." I was like, "Wow, I did not even think about that. That's that a great decision." In a thirty-two-yard field goal, thirty-two-yard extra point is not a chip shot for, for a walk-on freshman kicker, yeah. too. If he misses that, Purdue wins the game. I yeah, um, yeah. I mean, just relax. It's—I think because of what we've seen in years one and two, we want to get ahead of the fact that this is a pretty serious rebuild. I mean, we saw in nashville last year the the talent deficit that what it takes to even i mean auburn wasn't even a good sec team in terms of record wise but we saw you know what what we lacked and we're starting i mean even like people want to blame hazel but like i mean brahm's playing a lot of hazel players so those are i mean all the plays that we look at that are probably our best players besides rondale moore a lot of i mean elijah was a hazel recruit uh, Bailey was a Hazel recruit. Lance O'Neill was a was a Hazel recruit. Um, Hopkins was a Hazel recruit, and it's just going to take time. Um, it's a little worrisome that you know these guys who were in his second recruiting class, who would be at the very least, you know, redshirt freshmen, aren't seeing the field compared to some of these other guys. So you little, it's a little worried there. But I think it's just it's just going to take time. Um, we're I think we got a little ahead of ourselves like, you know, expecting this to be a game that we shouldn't lose no matter what. I mean, as we saw it, anything can happen. Um, but it's a process. And like you kind of said on the our uh, social media posts, if you're jumping ship, then get a rinse. Don't come back. Yep. I had too many text messages. And I, and I think all of us were pissed off, frustrated, oh, yeah. disappointed. But I'm at the fifth stage of, of the grieving process, and I've come to acceptance of Saturday yeah. night's loss, unfortunately, and I'm ready to move on and beat the Commodores. And uh, But I had so many text messages the other night of, oh, I'm done. I had one, one fan say, I'm, I'm not watching the game the rest of the year. Um, I'll be all in next year when I think they'll be good. Um, I had others saying, never getting my expectations up again for Purdue football. It's like, you know, guys, like we're all upset mad. Maybe we're saying things we don't really mean. But, uh, you know, most of us went through the Hazel years, and we're still here. Those so, were in school I mean, during the Hazel years, and that was not fun yeah, at all. You got to be a fan in the good times and the bad times, and yeah. hopefully this is just a hiccup on what can really be a special season. Still got at least 11 more games, plenty season left. And the one take that I just can't get over is I don't understand why Elijah and Sindel are so hated on the <laughs> Nexus board. I mean, it's, I, mean it's, it's, I feel like it's he's man. a senior quarterback 
who, I mean, I get where some of it's come from. He's a senior quarterback who's making a lot of the same mistakes he was making two years ago, um, which is a little frustrating. I mean, it gets to the point where he is what he is. He does get uh, some happy feet when he gets pressure. Yeah. But when he yeah. when he's uh, doesn't have pressure, he's one of the best I've yeah. seen that do. It's also a little worse because of the state of our arms of line, which I felt played okay. Yeah, but we'll see. I mean, this will be a good test coming up. I know against an SEC defensive line, um, but I mean, I feel like it's always. I mean, it's kind of always the backup quarterback is always the most popular guy on the You're team. Right. On, on from right. the fans' standpoint, it's anytime there's a mistake. I mean, how many times was Elijah the most popular guy when Blau was quarterback and, and vice versa? It was You're always. Right. That's a good point. Um, but whatever. I mean, I'm I'm rolling with Elijah unless he, you know, unless you know we're. we're Oh and four, oh and five. Actually, at that point, I'd rather be like one and six or something like that, and then be like, okay, let's yeah. look at what what can what can plumber do. Sure. Um, but just don't freaking run them. <laughs> yeah, I just, I just yeah. don't like that at I all. Just, I just I just don't understand. I mean, plumber's never even taken a competitive snap, and all these guys. Right. I think they're just curious to see what he can do. But and I think it's also you see these. I mean, you see these guys like Trevor Lawrence, Tua. Now I'm going to try and pronounce his last name. Um, well, know, like even you, even Trevor Lawrence threw two interceptions against Georgia Tech last week. Right, for 166 yards. Yeah, but you, you but, see him, you know, on the pedestal of winning a national championship, yeah. and he's a freshman. You see Tua. You know, coming in after halftime, and that change have been you know lighting the world on fire. You yeah. see, you know, Jake Fromm making a national championship game as a freshman, but it's like you're right. For different players, I mean, and personnel ass, around them, and personnel around them. Yeah, you've got oh. you know a top five team on both sides of the ball for all those guys, and you've got you know we're trying to get above MAC level competition over here. I mean, I'm not trying to defend his two picks were just not good. The no. one he tried to throw to King Daru and King wasn't looking. And then he forced that one to David Bell into double coverage. I mean, those were costly. Don't get me wrong. But it's not like every quarterback in America doesn't throw picks once in a while. And no. up until that point, I thought he played really good. And, uh, and, and yeah, just a message to all Purdue fans, just like you said, relax. Um, and really, as an alumni or a fan, you're either with us or against us. You're all in or you're all out. If you want to jump ship, go ahead. Just don't come back when we win this weekend, when we rattle off a few wins. When we get ourselves in the bowl game, just yeah. we don't need you. But yeah. like uh, Notre Dame or Indiana. <sighs> so, so uh, any any other closing thoughts? Um, Where can people find you on Twitter? You can find me on Twitter at et underscore web. I think it's the first time I've ever said it out loud, so it's want to make sure I'm getting it right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, same on Instagram. Um, follow my Instagram. I'm mostly posting about concerts that I go to, so. Have fun with that. Um, Twitter, a lot of retweets about Purdue sports, so you can follow me if you'd like. Um, but, yeah, I mean, the closing thoughts, It's it was a frustrating game. Um, but kind of I was agreeing with you in terms of I'm kind of at that stage of acceptance, and I, I, I even texted you and Andrew, I think, on Sunday or Monday. I was like, I'd much rather – I mean, as much as it sucked, I'd much rather lose this game than lose to, like, Illinois, where it, it really affects our – you know, our standings in the big 10. Um, I mean, this again, it's first game of the year. It, I mean, it, it really sucks, but it, you learn a lot. And now it's the important part is what do we learn from it? And can we fix the, some of the, the little mistakes that we made in this game so that they don't happen again, you know, when it really matters. Yeah. Um, we still have a chance. I mean, the West is still open. Yep. We haven't played ourselves out of elimination for that. So, uh, 
But I'm just pumped to be back in Ross State on noon mm-hmm. on Saturday, and I think that's a Big Ten Network game mm-hmm. for anybody looking for it on television. So, uh, But uh, that's all I got. If you want to follow me on Twitter, it's at the underscore T underscore Lee. I tweet a bunch about sports, particularly Purdue and the Denver Broncos, and about my, about my uh, other podcast, the Tanner J Man Show. Then on Instagram, I think it's Tanner Lee 18, I believe. I'm not 100% sure on that button. Sounds about right. Yeah. So I uh, follow, follow me on there. And you can follow the Boiler Breakdown. You can like us on Facebook, the Boiler Breakdown, of course. And you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Boiler Break Pod. And uh, please give us a rating and, re- and or review on Facebook and Apple Podcasts slash iTunes, whatever they're calling it nowadays. We'd really appreciate that. And any suggestions you have that going forward that we can make this podcast better. But uh, hopefully, Andrew, will be back. Joining yeah. If back. you want to follow uh, Andrew on Instagram, he's A-R-E-I-L-E-R. And I noticed what his Twitter handle is. but I think it's something like that, maybe three yeah. at the end. He can talk about it next time. I just want to give him so, a shout-out. But, uh, but we'll be back next week. Hopefully, we're talking about a Boilermaker win over Vanderbilt. And, another uh, golden black team. Another golden black team, but we're cool. Another smart school, and, too. It's going to be a smart game. Yes. <laughs> and uh, But uh, let's uh, take care of business. Boiler up, hammer down, and beat the Commodores. Boiler up. Tanner Lee here of the Boiler Breakdown Podcast. Thanks for listening to our podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please give us a follow on social media. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at Boiler Break Pod, and follow us on Instagram at Boiler Break Pod. And make sure to listen and subscribe to the Boiler Breakdown on your favorite podcast platform. And as always, Boiler Up, Hammer Down.